Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Tudor, as we talk to you about college football, college basketball, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 155. With the 47-37 win over the Jackson State Tigers, this Iowa State Cyclones men's basketball team is now the 8th team to have won by double-digit scoring 47 or less points in a game. That's pretty crazy. That was courtesy of Mike. And then we have a second fun fact courtesy of Ariane that no team has scored 1 point per possession against our defense this year. This is also men's basketball. Uh, the Hawkeyes scored 0.8 points per possession and then... Uh, the most recent Jackson State Tigers game was only 0.61 points per possession. Those are just wild stats from a basketball team that we never expected to be good. That's true. And just for reference, anything anything under one is considered elite from a defensive perspective. So if you hold mm-hmm. your opponent to under one point per possession, that's considered elite defensively. And it's it's such a such a 180 from last year's team. Um, I'm not exactly sure what their point possession point per possession against our defense was last year, but it was absolutely nowhere close to where it is this year. Um, absolutely massive turnaround for TJ and the staff as well. But we will get into that a little bit later, as first we're talking about some turnaround that's happening on the football field. Mike, do you want to fill us in on some of the breaking news that has happened over the past few days coming out of the Cyclone football program? Yeah, so in something that's been unusual for um, the Iowa State football program is there have been a lot of players um, transferring out um, of this program. Um, Tyreek Milton transferred out um, right around Thanksgiving. Um, but then just in the last, um, we'll call it two weeks, um, some of these names you won't recognize and they transferred because they didn't play much. But some of these are big names here that are uh, uh, transferring. Aquil Smith, Verdell Edwards, Jaquan Amos, Joe Skates, Corey. And then just today, all of these next ones are today. Corey Suttle. Azariah Anderson, Kim Mani King, Aishim Young, and Eric Horn all announced today, or all put their name in the transfer portal just today, including uh, Eric Horn just in the last two hours or so, um, put his name in the transfer portal. Some big names there. Joe Skates was one of the um, highest recruits in Iowa State um, football history. Aishim Young, um, all Big 12 freshman team. Um, la- or in the, the 2020 season. Um, Kamani King was a contributor in the secondary as well. So it's just a lot of curious transfers, specifically Aishim Young. I didn't really see that one coming. I mean, he's been a starting safety basically since day one here at Iowa State. That one was just really curious to me. Um, I'm not super concerned about all the transfers because this is um, one of the first seasons that, the, the, that college football players have that free transfer where they don't have to sit out a year in order to transfer. So I'm not surprised that we see some, but this has been a lot of, of transfers. I mean, even Oklahoma, who we, um, who we mocked um, last week um, or a couple weeks ago for all the transfers they had out, um, only has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players that have 
entered the transfer portal. So, granted, they had some recruits leave too, and Iowa State hasn't seen that drop off very much. Um, but it's it's a little shocking and a little concerning to have seen all of these uh, all of these transfers. I'm a little concerned. I don't know if either of you share some concern, but it is definitely concerning because your first question is, you know, what is happening and and why why are they leaving? Especially a player like Aishin Young. I mean, he's not leaving because of playing time. He's on the field. He's a starter. Uh, and he's one of those key pieces of the defense. Um, my first thought is, you know, are they are they jumping ship just because they think this team isn't going to be any good next year? Uh, who knows? Um, I, I you just you just don't know. It makes you wonder what's going on, like inside the program. You know what's been said. Uh, the, obviously, they have more insight internally than we do. You know, or maybe it's some some other reasons. Maybe they had some family thing come up and they want to be closer to home. But it's a little unusual the the sheer number and volume of transfers that Iowa State is seeing this season. So definitely a little concerning on my end. So on the surface, I, I have I have two theories, I guess, and one of them is the easy one, saying that a lot of these transfers, sub minus uh, I assume Young anyway, could be just due to NIL. Right, this was the first real year where you could start getting NIL money and stuff. So maybe they're transferring to a bigger school or a smaller school that has more money. I would like to think that's the case, but that just seems too naive to me. The other one is after the hype of this past season, you know, preseason, the hype just completely flopped. Maybe they're scared that we will never be able to recover. I, I don't know. It just seems very strange. Like you said, the sheer amount. I'm not overly concerned, but the Aishim Young one is a little weird. Yeah, it is It is a weird one, but we'll see. There was a, a cryptic, cryptic tweet from Chris Williams who uh, just tweeted uh, recently, feels like there's some good news coming for Iowa State football in the coming days. Guessing it will lessen today's blows and make more sense. Stay tuned. So obviously he has some inside information, or it seems like he has some inside information that he's not privy to share. I don't know what that could be that would make this make sense. Like, nothing that I can think of would make this make sense. I can think of news that would limit the impact of this, but not that would make it make sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. We'll have to see. It'll be interesting to follow. We'll, of course, update you on next week's episode to see if there is good news or if he's just yanking our chain. Um, but So keep keep an eye on that. Um, but on the good news train, uh, Charlie Kohler did win the Maxwell Award this year, right? It was the Maxwell that he won? Yep, right? the Maxwell, the which is the, uh, the top the tight academic. End. Well, oh, the Maxwell wasn't oh, that. Oh no, sorry. It's the academic Heisman. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, I'm getting the, my uh, the Mackey Award, right? No, no, is no. The top. Hold on. The Maxwell Award went to Bryce Young. That's for the top something something. I'm very confused. I confused myself. Oh boy. Is this, this a Mackey this Award? Might be the Mackey Award, which is why. Uh, yeah, let, let's find this here. Um, let's see. I got to find this. Hold on. We'll get there. This is this is premier um, sports podcast right here. The Campbell Trophy, the William V. Campbell Trophy, um, which is the academic Heisman that he just won. That's the William Campbell Trophy. There you go. That's the one that uh, he just won. Um, so that he won, it's basically called the Academic Heisman, the William V. Campbell Trophy. Um, 
So that's a great honor for Charlie Kohler. Um, and it was it the report um, that came out after the fact was really that was the recruiting push that Iowa State made to Charlie Kohler. It was not we can make you the best football player you can be, which they turned out to be. They turned someone who was who had very few high major offers um, into a uh, a one of the best tight ends in the nation. But the recruiting push was we can satisfy your academic abilities. And they obviously have done that um, with a mechanical engineering degree and now a master's um, from over in the business school and the academic Heisman. So that was big. That was a good job um, for Charlie Kohler. He also announced that he will play in the, uh, the Cheez-It Bowl. Um, I speculated last week that he might be one of a few players who might sit that game out just to avoid injury. He said he is going to play. Um, so that is that is good on him. He will play in the ball game, which is good news for Iowa State with all these transfers out um, who aren't going to play in the ball game. Obviously, it's good news that uh, he will be playing. We're going to need it. He will. Still, no word on other players like Brees uh, Hall, uh, Will McDonald. So we will keep you updated on those as well. Uh, some All American uh, nominations came out as well. Brees Hall being is the only, uh, this is courtesy of uh, guest host Arion. Uh, Brees Hall is the only repeat member of the All-American first team uh, for um, the Cyclones. And uh, the, he Will McDonald joins him as an All-American. Um, he was nominated to the third team. Um, so very, very good nominations and recognition for two outstanding players for the Cyclones. But Mike, with Charlie Kohler's status and his play being a finalist for, you know, the, one of the top tight ends in the country as well, how does he not make an All-American team? I'm just a little, I'm a little bewildered by that. Yeah, I was very confused how they found three tight ends who were better than Charlie Kohler this year. Um, I'm not sure how that was possible, but I definitely feel like he was snubbed. Um, but we'll see. I mean, well, I guess we won't see. I, my guess is it'll appear on some of the other All-American teams. Um, there are five different All-American teams now these days. Um, so keep that in mind, and you'll, I'm sure you'll see his name on some of those other lists. Um, another place we're seeing Iowa State on some lists is working up those um, – men's college basketball rankings. Um, it was another good week for the Cyclone men's basketball team. Um, on on a Thursday, they played um, Iowa in the annual Cyhawk game, and I would say they, they worked them over pretty good. That game was... Iowa State dominated that game. They didn't just uh, eke, out, eke out a victory. That was good. Um, they played really good D, um, as we mentioned in the intro, only allowing those uh, 0.8 points per possession. That, that's really good to see. Um, and the offense was, was good enough, and that's sort of been the theme of the year. The offense has just been good enough. The defense has been really good, and if your defense is good, your offense doesn't have to be great in order to at least hang around in game. Um, there definitely were some things to work on both in this game and the Jacksonville State game. Kyle, I know you have some comments on the press break. I also wasn't super enthused about it. Yeah, I, I mean, Mike, I messaged you after the game and I was like, I'm still a little frustrated. And you asked why, what for? Well, Iowa 
in this game being down they implemented a full court press uh, and their pressure is all to trap Iowa State once they get the ball across half court trap them in that corner because you can't go over and back meaning you can't go back into the backcourt and you have that the sideline is another boundary so you have basically two defenders there if you can trap the the defender or the the offense well Iowa State just kept running into that trap over and over and over uh they're making they're they're forcing very errant passes there wasn't enough rotation into the middle of the court uh to get one of those open guys either stepping through the trap or backing up and passing around it um I was just surprised that it wasn't something that TJ addressed uh in one of those uh timeouts that he had um, I believe it was Kalsher that took a timeout on the sideline in one of those trap situations, that it wasn't something that was addressed and fixed uh, during that game. Uh, the amount of times that Iowa State kept running to that trap and uh, forcing some pretty easy turnovers for that Iowa defense was pretty frustrating, I would say, overall. Another thing that I'm just frustrated a little bit about is free throw shooting. Iowa State isn't getting to the line a ton but when they do, I think this team needs to shoot better, uh, shoot their free throws better. I mean, we'll get into it a little bit in the season trends uh, after this, but Iowa State offensively isn't potent. It isn't a Baylor offense, um, which Baylor we all know is very, very good. It's not a Gonzaga offense, you know, one of those really top five teams where you think about a team that can absolutely light it up from the floor. That is not Iowa State. There's there's nights where you are hot and cold. Look at Gabe Kalsher. Uh, very cold sometimes, but then very hot uh, as he was in the NIT uh, season tip-off. So the defense is, is going to be really good, but as you saw against Jacksonville State, it was hard to get to buy buckets at all. Um, when you talk about some of those season trends, Iowa State's the defense is going to travel well, but the offense is going to have some really tough nights, especially when you get into Big 12 play. Uh, according to Ken Palm, Iowa State's strength of schedule, I believe, is 230th in the country. Uh, it's very, very low um, based on the, the ranking of their opponents. 289th. 289th. Sorry, I, I pulled the wrong number, I guess, in my head yeah, earlier when I was looking at it. Uh, so worse than that. So... Iowa State being great on defense, uh, look at the stats, 11th in opponents points per game in the nation where they are 138th in offensive points per game uh, in the country. They are third in team defensive efficiency in the country, but 141st in team offensive efficiency. Um, so very, very low statistics uh, offensively. I mean, Iowa State is averaging just barely over one um, point per possession, which is not great. It's it's average at best. Uh, and then offensively at 72 points per game, they're not lighting it up. This team probably isn't ever going to pass the century mark in a game this year. Um, so, yeah, the, the defense is going to have to really overcome some of the offensive offenses downfalls uh, this season. But, you know, speaking of defense and kind of going along with the trend and the theme here is the Big 12 the conference of defense. This is all courtesy of Arian doing some research for us today. Uh, so the Big 12 currently boasts four teams in the top 25 in opponents points per game. Uh, Baylor is ranked number two. 
uh, Texas number seven, Iowa State 11th, and Texas Tech at 18th. They also boast seven teams in the top 25 in opponents' points per possession. Uh, so this is just a calculation of defensive efficiency for each team. Baylor being number two, Iowa State number three, uh, these teams will play January 1st, so keep an eye on that trend. Texas Tech, number 5, OSU, 10, K-State, 20, Texas, 23, and OU, 24. Um, with that ranking, uh, or to go along with that, there are Big 12 teams and their standings uh, this year in the AP Top 25 poll. I would, or Mike mentioned that Iowa State keeps moving up. The men's teams, Baylor ranked number one this week, so they never made it to number one to a number one ranking last year, but won the NCAA tournament. This year, they finally make it to that number one ranking. KU is seven, Iowa State 11. Texas drops to 17, and after a strong week, Texas Tech jumps to number 25. Um, the Big 12 Conference ranks the, set, the second most ranked teams uh, on the men's side, only behind the SEC, who has six teams in the top 25 as well. The SEC is very good this season. Um, over on the women's side, I, the women played very well this week. They beat their two in-state rivals. Uh, they It was a much closer Cyhawk game for the ladies. Uh, they ended up pulling that game off by seven, I believe, as Ashley Jones keeps just being the fantastic cyclone player that she is. Um, one of the one of the greats in Iowa State history will are surely able to say about her right now. Uh, and then they do escape a close one against Northern Iowa, uh, winning that game by one point. So they beat their two uh, in-state rivals. Uh, in the Big 12, how it's shaping up, Baylor is ranked number five, Texas ranked number 11, and Iowa State ranked number 12. So both basketball programs performing at a very, very high level right now. Um, it's just a fun year for Iowa State. And dare we say that Hilton Magic is back? It was it was fun to watch uh, that uh, that Iowa Iowa State game. That place was loud. That place was obnoxious. It was great. That was fun to see. Um, I'm mean, keep bringing that energy. It's unfortunate that Baylor game is still going to be while the students are on break, um, since that game is coming on uh, January first. So that's a little unfortunate. But it is going to be good to um, it's going to be good to see, and hopefully they keep bringing the energy. That'll be fun. Um, teams are still bringing the energy in the NFL too, um, with the playoff picture becoming clearer with four weeks remaining in the year, um, after this week. Um, this week was the week of comebacks coming up short or blowouts. Pretty much, I think you could call every game one of those two things, um, so far. It started on Thursday where um, Pittsburgh came up just co just uh, short of the largest comeback in NFL history um, against Minnesota. Minnesota was up, I believe, 29 to nothing um, at one point in this game and still almost managed to lose it. That would have been uh, quite embarrassing, but Minnesota held on, breaking up a pass um, in the end zone um, right at the end um, of the game to keep... Pittsburgh from winning. Um, Washington tried to make a late comeback against the Cowboys, but again um, came up just short when Taylor Heineke fumbled, or no, Taylor Heineke's backup, excuse me, he got hurt. 
backup fumbled um, late in the game. The comeback could not be completed. Um, there were, and then uh, in the blowouts, Tennessee, Seattle, Kansas City, and New Orleans all blew out their opponents. Um, the most surprising of those being Kansas City, who absolutely throttled uh, an, a, a, a Raiders team um, that had been pretty decent um, up to this point. They weren't great, but they were, they were okay. I didn't really expect them to get blown out. Um, so uh, that was a little interesting. Um, comebacks came up short um, with Atlanta holding off Carolina, which was really big for them in the uh, in the playoff race. It pretty much dooms Carolina and puts Atlanta back in the race. Um, and Cleveland held off a late comeback from the Baltimore Ravens in a game which Lamar Jackson had to leave with an injury. Um, still not exactly sure how severe that is and whether he'll be back next week, but that is certainly something to keep an eye on. Um, in the late afternoon slate, the Chargers and the Broncos both killed their opponents. Um, and then there were two more very games that looked like blowouts that turned very close. Cincinnati um, came back from uh, double digits down to send San Francisco to overtime before San Francisco um, won it on a walk-off touchdown. And... Um, Buffalo um, tried to come back against the Buccaneers, um, but came up short also in overtime um, with Tom Brady throwing his 700th career touchdown pass on a walk-off in overtime. Um, and then the Packers um, in a very interesting special teams game. We're just going to leave it at that. Um, very weird special teams play all around in that game. Probably one of the weirdest special teams games I've ever seen. Um, but the Packers end up uh, handling them pretty good. Uh, in that game. So weird week in the NFL, but the playoff picture is starting to come um, into focus, and we will update you on that more in the coming weeks as we get even more more clear picture on that um, as the season goes on. In Mike's stupid rules this week, we're going to follow up on um, a rule that we talked about last week, or not a rule, but a situation we talked about last week, and it's the uh, the fake slide discussion. So if you remember, we talked about Pitt's quarterback who did that fake slide um, at the end of, or not at the end, but in the, the ACC championship game and ended up scoring um, a touchdown. Now, Wyatt mentioned that an approved ruling was probably the best way to solve this, and the NCAA got on that literally like, a couple days later, they issued a new approved ruling um, for Rule 4-1-3, dead ball declared. Um, the approved um, ruling uh, is that quarterback A-10 takes the snap and rolls out to the right, finding no receiver open. Uh, A-12 turns up the field and runs. After making the line to gain, A-12 breaks slide stride as if he is going to slide feet first at the 27 but stays upright and runs for a touchdown. Ruling. The live ball becomes dead at the point where A12 simulates or fakes as if he will begin a feet-first slide. And officials will sound their whistle and declare the ball dead, with the explanation being anytime a ball carrier begins, simulates, or fakes a feet-first slide, the ball should be declared dead by the on-field official at that point. The intent of the rule is player safety, and the objective is to give a ball carrier an option to end the play by sliding feet-first and avoid contact. To allow the ball carrier to fake a slide would compromise the defense that is being instructed to let up when the ball carrier slides feet first. Fake slide will not be considered reviewable under Rule 12-3-3. So 
there will be a play now for um, so there is no approved ruling fake slides should be a dead ball according to this approved ruling um, but it is not a reviewable play Wyatt that seemed like a good resolution for you based on what you were thinking yeah hundred percent that uh, hits the nail on the head in my opinion yeah I think it does and I, I think you're also right that the rules support this approved ruling as it is um, just a just a clarification for officials that hey be on the lookout for this they can't do that so yeah pretty pretty easy one now they listened to, they must listen to 8311 cast because that was exactly <laughs> the right way to do it um we also had a decent accountability session this week we're in 500 in the accountability session this week which is pretty good for our standards no it's usually lower than that four predictions come off the board two right and two wrong first one that i missed last week kyle predicted that cincinnati would become the first group of five team to um, make the college football playoff, and they did that when they were the four seed in the upcoming college football playoff. So for that, Kyle gets a ding, 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 ding. ding. Um, Josh predicted last week that the Bucks would beat the Cavs, which they did do um, that night. So for that, Josh gets a ding, 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 ding. A um, couple of Iowa Iowa State predictions now from last week. Kyle predicted that Caleb Grill would hit at least three three pointers against Iowa. He only took one shot. It's hard to hit three three pointers when you only take one shot. So for that, Kyle gets a nah. Nah. And Arian last week predicted that George Condit would out rebound um, Isaiah Brockington. Uh, George Condit got four rebounds or three, three or four, and Isaiah Brockington had a double-double. He had 10 rebounds. Um, three is less than 10, so for that, Arian gets a nah. 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 Um, I'll put us, I'll start by uh, putting a prediction on the board. I'm going to say that Iowa State versus Baylor on New Year's Day is a top 10 showdown. Both of those teams will be in the top 10 when they play on New Year's Day. Well, Okay, I don't think Baylor's going anywhere with their schedule upcoming. Um, for reference, there Baylor plays out. They play Oregon, Alcorn State, and Northwestern State. And Oregon is five and five. Um, Iowa State, for reference, this week on their schedule, they have Southeastern Louisiana who's four and six, and Chicago State, who's three and six. Iowa State only has to move up one spot for this to happen. Wyatt, what, do you, what are we giving this? It's single or a double. I, my gut says single. I think you're right. Yeah, I won't complain about that. I, I expected that to be a single. I will not, not complain about that. I like it. What do we got from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Yep, still alive, still doing good. Um, Josh um, is going to jump on the Alan Lazard hype train. Alan Lazard had a great game um, on Sunday Night Football, for those of you who weren't watching. Um, he ended up um, uh, catching six passes for 75 yards and a touchdown against the Bears. Um, so uh, Josh Gimshikta keeps it going and scores three times in the next three games. So average of one per game, but... Not necessarily one per game, just three total in the next three. Hmm. I'm thinking this is probably a triple or maybe that's, a home run. That was my that was my first thought was triple. Yeah, that's that's fine. Let's so, give them a triple. Yeah, for the it. pack the Packers next three games are against the Ravens, the Browns, and the Vikings for reference. 
Okay. Triple? Triple sounds yeah. good to me. Triple sounds yep. good. Triple it is. While I'm excited with what I'm seeing from the, the Cyclones men's basketball team, I'm not entirely drinking yet. But I will say that my prediction is going to be the Cyclones women's basketball and men's basketball teams go greater or, greater or equal to 500 in conference play. I don't think there's so, an option to be equal 500, is there? Uh, I mean, they could if they went 9-9, nine and nine, right? They play 18 conference games. Oh, that's right. So, yeah, greater or equal to 500. Um, so you're saying that each of them will go above 500 or they will combine to go above 500? Both of them will be above 500. Got it. Slight difference there, so I just wanted to clarify. Uh, double? I'm thinking double for this? Single or double? What do you think, Kyle? Hmm. Double, maybe? Well, I don't know. I could see Iowa State maybe being... Oh. I could just see the men falling apart in conference play. I could like, as well. Like the strength of schedule says, they haven't really played anybody Anyone, super great. And yeah. it's probably like, one of the toughest schedule con- like yeah, schedules like, in all of basketball. Yeah, like Memphis is not as good as everybody thought they were um, when we beat them. That win doesn't look nearly as impressive now. Are we saying double then? I'll say double, yeah. I'll okay. give him a double. Double. What do you got, Kyle? My prediction this week is that Iowa State will just outright will win the Cheez-It Bowl. That's it. Iowa State wins the Cheez-It. Okay. Um, as of right now, Iowa State is one and a half point favorites. FPI gives them a 48% chance to win. So 50-50 is a single, right? By our scoring logic, it is. Well, unless you think there's any aggravating factors to upgrade it to a double, you can go single. Can we make an addendum to this? If Brees Hall does not play, this goes from a single to a double? There are no addendums in Write That Down ah, Prediction. You dang. get what you get. I wish Brees Hall had said what he's going to do. So there it is. All right. Single it is, I guess. Unless, Wyatt, you think the potential of that should upgrade it to a double right now. No, because I, th- I think he's going to play. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go with single. Most people who would sit out a ball game would have already said so. Um, yeah. So I think he's probably going to play. Um, and uh, we're going to keep giving you Arian's predictions um, since he might be a little bit more regular um, for us here this winter on the podcast. Um, Arian is predicting um, – so for those of you who don't know – um, Steph Curry is really, really close to breaking the NCAA record for most three-pointers made in a career. Hold on um, one second. Does he still play in the NCAA? Oh, all right. How about the NBA record? Sorry, I'm just in, in NCAA mode. He's close to breaking the NBA record for the most three-pointers made in his career. Um, Arian is going to... Be- predict that he does not break that record in either this game that he's currently playing in against Indiana or the next game. Um, so basically, um, that prediction from Arian is that um, it, he, he will average three three-pointers a game over his next two games, but he's averaging um, 5.4 threes per game on the season so far. So double, this is probably a double. Probably a double. Yeah, sure. I'm I'm sort of feeling a double at this point. Give him a double. All right, double it is. With two singles, two doubles, and a triple, that concludes our Write That Down Prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 155 of the 8311 cast. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and see us 
again next week, or listen to us, I guess, on 156. Until then, signing off for the 11 Cast Fever hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to y'all again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.